this is Rachel Livinall. This season, we're going to be diving into other cities all around the state of California, hearing young people's stories on all topics concerning the pandemic and youth. Today, we're going back to Pomona as two young reporters give their take on the pandemic and its personal effects on their lives. You're listening to COVID-18, a podcast that explores young people's experiences during the pandemic. Let me take you into the moment when I heard about the lockdown. How was the world responding? I think it was January, January 2020. I think that's when I heard about COVID-19 or something like that. Something about a contagious disease spreading it throughout China. I remember at the time, I was trying to get myself motivated for school. Took on a graveyard shift from a local factory and was trying to work on myself. This was all happening at the start of the semester too and my campus gets packed around that time. And I remember that first day, I was trying to get to class, and you would see waves and waves of students coming from all sides. People rushing to get to that first class so they don't get kicked out. Folks buying their supplies, others waiting in line and searching for books, and others were just minding their own business, sitting at the tables, drinking coffee, reading texts, browsing their laptops. By February, I was seeking support from people around me, friends, family, and others. And I decided to see a school therapist to find out what I could do to keep myself motivated for school. I stopped going to classes, was not focused at school, kept myself committed to other projects. At the time, COVID-19 was declared a health crisis, but I kept no mind to it. March came quickly and I found myself a little more motivated to continue school. I remember that last day when I was on campus. I haven't been on campus for the longest time everyone coming in and out of classes. Though not as crowded as the first day, the waves of students still sort of overwhelmed me. The day I decided to return, California was on lockdown the very next day. I was still at home since I had no classes the day they announced the stay at home order. I was confused for the most part. I was not aware of what was happening, but I did feel the sense of urgency and understood there was fear in the air. Hello everyone, my name is Samantha Zavalangulo and I'm accompanied by Jonathan Alvarado. And we're here as part of the SEEDS team from the Pomona Students Union. Today we're going to have a conversation about COVID-19 and our specific individual experiences with the pandemic itself. And we have a couple questions today. The first one is going to be, what were your first thoughts when the pandemic was announced? Where were you? Describe the feelings and emotions you went through. When I heard of the coronavirus, as there was none at the time, was on uh, Twitter. It was uh, one of the things that was trending. And I think this was back in December, probably like New Year's. Um, it's like, oh, the COVID, um, the coronavirus is trending. Um, it's trending. It's becoming, you know, um, a really spread virus in China. And like you, it just like I processed it and it went whoo, to the back of my mind. I didn't really think much of it. I mean, it's in China. Right. And I guess I didn't process what like globalization is now. And, you know, we're all really connected countries, a lot of travel, commerce, trade. Fast forward to March, everyone's talking about the coronavirus. And at that point, I believe it's like taken Italy, France, Germany, like those big European countries, right? 
and you're always thinking like, oh, it's not going to reach us over here. Um, we hadn't had any big cases. And then later, like two weeks later, or a week later, we have this case in Pomona and um, this lady actually dies from it. And that's when everything kind of stops. And um, my sister was going to go on an Knott's Bear trip that same week. She was going to go for a physics trip and they had been planning it since I think January. Um, so it was something that was going to be really expected. And I go into I go into school at um, 7 a.m. I had zero period, so did my sister. So they're at 7 a.m. and they're like, you know what? The trip is canceled. <laughs> and everyone's like, why? And they were like, oh, the coronavirus, they're, they're scared. I mean, I don't know what um, city Knott's Berry Farm is in, but you know, like it's, it's a ways and a lot of people travel there. God knows who those people have been with. Um, so yeah, that was canceled. And then we had a teacher who was like trying to calm our minds. They're like, oh, um, the lady who died, she was older. Um, and then she had been, she had visited the countries that were afflicted by, um, by the virus at that point. So she was like trying to calm our minds. And um, I would, she had said that the first person, like patient zero, <laughs> the first person who was um, diagnosed with the coronavirus, that they had actually recovered, right? But at this point, it was uh, March, and the virus started in December. So I was like, are you telling me it took four three, almost four months for them to recover in intensive care? Like, that, that, does, that doesn't calm my mind. But even then, I still hadn't, like, grasped the situation. You know, everything's changing, and as a teenager, adolescent, it's, like, crazy to you. Um, but I still, at that point, I still hadn't even grasped, you know, or had an idea of that entirely at all. We've been able to see the pros and cons of technology and being able to get things done virtually. Do you feel like you benefited from your everyday routines? I would say, uh, given the fact that I was a really active person in school, um, I mentioned earlier that my day started at 7 a.m. And my day would end at like 4 p.m., 4.15. Um, sometimes I'd be home by 5. I also had a job senior year, so sometimes I wouldn't be home until 6.30. So a lot of my job depended on being outside of the house and actually doing physical things. Um, and online, it's just, it's completely different. You don't feel that, you don't feel that connection. And um, I had actually, I ac actually had a conversation with um, someone named Enrique from Pomona Students Union, where um, we talked about, you know, we get up early, uh, we, we wake up and we're up like five minutes before meeting or 15, instead of like waking up an hour before, getting ready to go to the meeting, getting into the mindset. We're just up. We're like, oh, I have a meeting at nine. All right, I'll be up at um, 8.45, 8.50, um, So that's just that, you know, that's something different. That's something that I'm not used to, but I've become used to. Like in terms of schoolwork as well, um, I when I initially was like, oh, everything's gonna be done online. I was like, you know what? That's better because I get to work. And I get to go at school, um, go to school, and I get to do so many other things because it's online. I get to watch the recordings, you know, it's all in my own time, but it's actually been a lot more difficult for the simple fact that like one, I have my own life and I have my own things going on right now during the pandemic. So, you know, ideally, if I didn't have to work or, um, you know, if life didn't get in the way, that might be the perfect situation. And it's also motivation motivation to watch the videos, motivation to do the work. You know, in your mind, it's perfect. And what about you? How's your experience? I definitely, I'm definitely right there with you uh, with the online school. Uh, there's a difference. I feel like there's a difference between online school when you're at least going to classes like before COVID and then online school when you have to do everything online. 
uh, I feel like there was a perfect balance when you had an online class because you have a lot more space to work around with. I feel like the difference there is you're having to go to class, you're having to go to school, you have something to do. Um, it's not to say like when you're in online school, like during COVID, you have nothing to do. There, I mean, that was the situation for a lot of folks. And at least for me uh, personally, I don't think I necessarily benefited. I've definitely been able to sort of talk with my professors a little bit better through email because I, I feel like this was also a wake up call, not only for the students, but for professors. You know, overall, I think both of us have had kind of like a bad, good experience. And, you know, we've seen some good things and some potentially good things from um, online learning. Um, and I know at Berkeley, they kind of have started implementing like a hybrid method of teaching. Do you think that might be beneficial in the future moving forward where like we pick some things that are good from each method of teaching and we kind of like bend them, mix them together? I feel like it's better to have it both online physical for a class because it's like it's a better way to implement like going back to physical because um, again it was like a huge shock when everybody's transferred from physical classes to online and uh, the way some universities posed it was like a little bit weird and difficult for me for at least because I didn't have a reliable laptop or anything like that internet um, and I had to use the center here at Hento uh, Organizada. Uh, a lot of the times. I, I definitely think it's beneficial in some way, I guess, if it was like in a different hybrid model. Uh, but what about you? Would you prefer hybrid model? You know, we've only been doing online schooling for a year, like one year. So I think I would appreciate it if we had more time to like figure it out and not immediately say like, oh, this didn't work. You know, like, let's just throw it away, go completely in person, you know, give it time, continue developing, you know, online learning and doing hybrid. I think um, online learning has a potential, uh, maybe in the way that everything is recorded or you don't have to be there in person, you know, uh, maybe for someone who has anxiety, that could be really beneficial or like me, I have, I have a job, but if one day, like I, I really need to work, um, I'll skip that day, but then the next day I'll go in person to make up for it. You know, it has a lot of potential. I don't really know exactly how I want it. But I've heard different ways and different things that I've liked. So maybe if we like pick different things that we like and suggest it to like admin, they'll listen. Landing into my 10th grade year, my mom became a cashier at a small grocery store in Pomona, California. Being a cashier seemed like a simple job, but the COVID-19 pandemic brought it to new light as an essential job. At work, my mom would be surrounded by many people who would constantly criticize the store. Given that it was the beginning of the pandemic and no one knew much about it, there were many people who spoke on the subject as if they knew everything. She would get constant comments like, have you met anyone who has gotten sick or died? And the reality was that we were lucky because as a family, we took great precaution, unlike many in our community at the time. Our only contact was through my mom's work. And this frustrated her because she always felt like as a society, we have a social responsibility to come together and support one another, especially during the hard and unprecedented times. Yet despite that, many people were being divisive, often inserting their unwanted opinions and not doing their part in social distancing. She would hear about people who would attend parties and then find out that many of them were sick, which later resulted in the death of family members. Meanwhile, in our household, we wouldn't even leave the house to go on a walk. It was a frustrating experience for her not being able to correct people for their ignorance. 
This was reflected in our home life because we were constantly practicing social distancing and not going out. My sister and I were highly irritable, and as teenagers who used to have an active social life, like school and other activities, the change of this new routine was difficult. My mom would get exhausted, and you could tell that she had a million things racing through her mind. Sometimes she would be frustrated that I didn't want to get a job because of the pandemic and how I wouldn't want to be the cause of exposure for my family. It was clear to me that people had died in China, Germany, and other European countries, so why was it difficult for people to understand? The different perspectives on the pandemic led to many debates between my family. Not to mention that during the first stages of the pandemic, many of the stores were being left empty because people were panic buying. My mom is a single mom, and luckily she has a boyfriend who has consistently helped us out during the tough times, but that didn't stop her concerns entirely. Where was she supposed to get eggs, tortillas, or toilet paper? In all fairness, no one knew what a lockdown was going to look like, and it was completely different from what panic buyers were probably anticipating. But as a main provider of a family, she was becoming more and more concerned. One year later, my mom had to make the difficult decision of leaving her work. The stress and the physical toll on her had become too much for her. This is one story of millions of essential workers. I have learned that essential workers are vital to our society, especially through the pandemic. Pre-pandemic, it might have initially seemed like a starting job, which to some it might be, but the past year has definitely demonstrated to my mom, myself, and many others that it is a necessary role and should be valued more. Next week, we go back to the Bay, as one reporter talks on a prevalent issue with its own host of problems during the pandemic. Secondhand smoke. This is a production of Gente Organizada and Youth Leadership Institute. I'm your host, Rachel Livenall. <laughs>